Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. Fathers are not just those that give birth. There is, a, there is fathers that step up to that role and embrace kids that are not their own as if they were their own. So if you are a father in any kind of way, I want to wish you a happy Father's Day. I want you to know that you're amazing and that you're worth celebrating. I woke up this morning and uh, I was just thankful to the Lord because I began to think about all the different fathers that we have in Dayspring. And you know, Dayspring is filled with amazing fathers. Did you know that? Dayspring has amazing godly fathers. So I want to wish every single one of you a happy Father's Day. Those of you watching us online, if you're a father, I want to wish you a happy Father's Day as well. And if I may, I want to take just a few minutes to let my dad know that I love him and that I wish him a happy Father's Day. I know that he's watching. And dad, I thank God for you. I thank God because you're a godly man and you are a great father. And I wouldn't trade you for any dad in this world. I miss you like crazy and I love you. I love you. I love you. Feliz Dia del Padre. Amen. I... If you, uh, if today's a hard day for you because your dad is not here or your dad is not present in your life, I want you to know that I know what you feel. Amen. I would love to have my dad here and embrace him. I was tempted to tell Lorena yesterday, hey, what if after church we just dip and we go see him and just spend the day with him? But uh, it was impossible. So if your dad hasn't been present, if your dad is not with you, I want you to know that I am with you. I've been praying for you, and I would ask you to pray for me and my siblings as well. Amen? Well, uh, if you're visiting us this morning, I want to welcome you. I'm so glad that you are here. I want you to feel at home. When you walked in, you should have gotten a bulletin. If you didn't get one, you can raise your hand and they'll bring one to you. If you have one, inside of it, there's an outline. And today, I want to talk about Noah and the Ark of Fatherhood. And yes, the pun is intended, right? Because Noah's known as the guy who built the ark. Well, today we want to talk about the ark of fatherhood. And you know what? I believe that Noah is worth our attention. That it's worth looking at him and reflecting in his life. Now, we normally don't think of Noah as a great father. We think of him as the guy who built the ark, We think of him as a guy that God used, but I want you to know, and I want to make the argument today, that Noah's greatest accomplishment was not building the ark. That Noah's greatest accomplishment was being a great father. And listen to me, dads. Being a father is a big deal. It's a big task. It's a big role. And I want you to know that I am convinced 
that being a father is one of the greatest privileges that God has given to human beings. Can I tell you why I believe that? Because he has given us men the title that he himself has as a father. Mothers are great. Mothers give us the love of God. But listen, being a father is such a big deal that God gave us one of his titles, and that is of a father. And I want you to know that there is no other element in a child's life, in a family's life. There is no other element that has a greater impact for good than a present father. Not socioeconomics, not education, not um, uh, the neighborhood where they live. Nothing impacts a family. Nothing impacts children like a father that is present. Listen, that's, that's why when the enemy wants to destroy a family, wants to destroy a society, it doesn't start with the kids. It doesn't start with the wives. It starts with the men. Because if he can get men out of their role, if he can get men to abandon their position, well, then everybody else that's left is easy prey for him. So I want you to know that being a dad is a great and awesome responsibility. And I want you to know, in case you haven't felt like you matter, I want you to know that you matter that God looks upon you and that he sees a man that can get the job done. And just like he sought Noah and and he believed that Noah could build the ark, well, God looks at you and he says, I could trust this man to lead his family and navigate the ark of fatherhood. Now, being a father is a big deal. It's a big task, but it's also a difficult one, right? It's a difficult one because it's not one that's greatly appreciated. I don't know if you noticed, but this weekend I drove around throughout the streets looking for a post that would be selling Father's Day's gift, and I found nothing. All I found was the taqueros. For Mother's Day, they started since Thursday. (laughs) Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Right? There's no post on the corners. There's no Father's Day sale. By the way, dads, do you know why there's no Father's Day sale on Father's Day? Because fathers are priceless. That's why. Amen. They're priceless. So listen, yeah, being a father is a huge role, but it's also a difficult one. Because especially in the culture, in the climate that we live in today, right? There's a lot of talk about toxic masculinity. There's a lot of talk about about fathers not measuring up, not being enough. There's a lot of shame. There's There's a lot of negativity towards the role of fathers. And not only that, but it seems like in the context that we're in, it's hard to raise godly children. It's hard to raise a godly family. And this is why Noah is a perfect example for us this morning. Because Noah saved his family in the worst environment possible. In fact, last week, as we were doing our series on angels and demons, we kind of touched on this a little bit, right? About what the context, what the climate was in the days of Noah. 
And if you don't remember, read it with me. Look at what Genesis 6, verses 5 and 6 say about the context in which Noah raised his family. It's right there in your outline. It says, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. And he saw, listen to this, that everything they thought or imagined was consistently in what? Totally evil. I mean, it's bad in our days. But I would dare to say that it was worse in Noah's days. In fact, Jesus said that in the last days, it would be like in the days of Noah. And we're told that everything that the society thought and did was consistently evil. Look at verse 6. So the Lord, and this is a sad verse, so the Lord was sorry that he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. How bad was the context in which Noah had to be a father? How evil, how corrupt, how wicked? Well, it was so bad, so wicked and so evil that it broke God's heart. It saddened him. I believe that our current climate saddens and breaks God's heart. That when families are being destroyed, that when the orientations are being corrupted, that it breaks God's heart. That when money is placed above marriage, it breaks God's heart. That when a job takes the priority of discipling our children, it breaks God's heart. That when there isn't purity in our sexuality and when there isn't unity in families, it breaks God's heart. And why is that important? Well, that's important because after God sees all this, God has to make a very difficult and sad decision. What is the decision that God makes? Well, read it with me in verse 7. Look at what it says. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, and I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals, the scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. Look at this last phrase. I am sorry I ever made them. Wait a minute. If you go back to Genesis 1, we read that everything that God created was good. That he saw his creation and that it was good. But only six chapters after, we read that God says, no, I got to start all over again. Things are so bad that we got to start all over again. So he makes the hard decision of saying, I'm going to have to wipe the slate clean. And it is in this context that then we read verse 8. And and, and look at what verse 8. Verse 8 says, but Noah found favor with the Lord. But Noah found favor. Now, that's amazing. That is amazing. Because in the midst of so much wickedness and evil and things that break God's heart, there was someone, there was a man, there was a father that brought joy to God's heart. While everything and everyone else broke God's heart and caused him to say, I got to start all over again. There was a father, there was a man that when God saw him, God, it put a smile on his face. But Noah found favor with God. What if in our days, 
while the world is going to hell in a basket, God were to look at you and say, but Nestor found favor before God. Amen. What if while everybody is doing their own thing, we, it could still be said of us, but we found favor before God. Amen. See, Noah found favor before God because Noah was different from everybody around them. He was very different. And that's why he caught God's attention. Now, let me tell you that it was not that Noah did a big job. Building the ark was a big job, right? Not only did Noah have a big job, but I believe that what, got, what caught God's attention was that Noah was a great and good godly father. Because Noah did not only build an ark, but here's more importantly, Noah saved his family in the midst of this horrible and wicked environment. Now, how did he do that? That's the big question for us this morning, right? How did Noah do it? How did Noah get, how did Noah accomplish to save his kids, to lead his kids to the Lord when everybody else was going the opposite direction? How did Noah manage to be a godly father and to save his family? And if you're not a father here this morning, this message still applies to you. Because whether you're a mom or a young person, you can thrive in a wicked and evil environment like our days. So what was it that Noah did that led to the results that he had? Well, let's look at that. And that is what I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage us to be fathers like Noah, to be the type of father that Noah was. Because here's what I think I know about you. You want the results that Noah had. You want your life to matter. You want your life to make a difference. But I also believe that you want the best for your family. So if you want that, you got to do what Noah did. What was it that Noah did that gave him the success as a father that he had? Well, let's look at three things that he did. Number one, and you can fill this out in your outline. Noah walked with God even when others didn't. Fathers like Noah walk with God even, and I would say especially when others don't. If you want to be different, then you can't be like everybody else, right? Young people, in fact, not young people, all of us. At one time, our parents told us, well, if, if your friends jumped off a cliff, would you jump off of a cliff, right? Because we tend to go with the flow. Well, one thing, the first thing that Noah did is he did not go with the flow. After we're told that Noah found favor with God, we, we, we are described Noah a little bit more personally. And look at what verse 9 says. It says, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked, what? Faithfully with God. What does it mean that Noah was a righteous man? Here's what it means. It means that he lived to please God. It means that everything he did brought pleasure to God, that it was in accordance with God. What does it mean that Noah was blameless? It means that he had a good reputation before his neighbors, before his family, 
that Noah had integrity, that Noah was the same person at work as he was at the park, that Noah spoke the same way when he was at the baseball game as when he was with his wife. Noah was righteous and blameless. Here's why, because he walked with God. You can't be righteous and blameless unless you first walk with God. Now, dads, hear me out, hear me out. Noah was not a perfect father by any means. If you know the story of Noah, Noah made some serious mistakes. And the Bible doesn't hide them. One of the huge mistakes that he made is that after the flood, he planted a vineyard and he grew wine and got drunk. And in one occasion, he got so drunk that his son Ham saw him naked. How drunk do you have to be for that to happen? Some of you laugh because that happened to you, huh? <laughs> Noah not only planted a vineyard and got drunk, but Noah showed favoritism towards some of his children. When it came to blessing them, he was harsh on some and extra generous on others. So by no means was Noah a perfect man, a perfect father. But his walk with God his walk with God was greater than his mistakes. There was more walking with God than there were the mistakes that Noah made in his life. What does it mean that Noah walked with God? Well, it means that Noah was on the same page with God. You know, what some of the, one of the problems that, that we have, and not just as fathers, but I think as Christians, we're called to walk with God, but we often want God to walk with us. Instead of saying, God, wherever you're going or wherever you want me to go, that's where I'm going to go, we tell God, God, come follow me and bless what I'm going to do. Well, there's only one God, and you and I are definitely not it. Noah walked with God. In other words, Noah did things differently than his current climate did. While the, 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 the common speech of the day was let's eat and drink and be merry for tomorrow we die, Noah said, no, 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 no. By the way, let's eat, be merry for tomorrow we die was an old version of YOLO. Noah said, no, 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 I'm gonna follow God. I'm going to seek God. I'm going to please God. I'm going to walk where God is walking. I'm not going to do anything that offends God, and I am going to live for God. The number one key, that's to succeeding as fathers, or if you're not a dad, the number one key to succeeding as a Christian is to walk with God. You will not succeed in your walk, in your role, if you do not walk with God. So not to condemn you, but to get you to reflect, I got a question for you. How's your walk with Jesus? Are you walking with him? Or are you trying to get him to walk with you? Now, if you're gonna walk with God, you gotta have daily devotions with him. You can't walk with God once a week. You can't. 
If you're walking with God, it's your Sunday and you get here late. Let me tell you, you're not walking. You may be looking at him from afar and hoping to be where he is, but you're not walking. To walk with God requires a relationship where you spend time with him. Ladies, hear me out. Help me out, I mean. Isn't it true that you feel most connected to your husband when you spend time together? What what women want is for us to spend time with them. They love the gifts, but what they really crave is our time, our devotion, our attention, because they feel closest to us when we're spending time. And by the way, guys, spending time is not being in the same room with them. Okay? But the same is true of God. If we're going to walk with him, we need to cultivate a relationship where we spend time with him, where you spend time in his word, where you spend time in worship, where you spend time uh, meditating, where you spend time thinking of him. And let me tell you something. When you spend time, when you cultivate a relationship with God on a daily basis, he'll speak to you. He'll correct you. He'll reorient you. He'll refocus your priorities on a daily basis. And when you less know it, people will notice that you are walking with God. You want to know something really interesting? Noah walked so close to God that when God spoke to him, Noah was able to hear him. When was the last time God spoke to you? Well, pastor, you know, I think God must be upset at me. He hasn't said anything to me. God wants to speak to you on a consistent basis. If you're not hearing from God, you may be too far from God. Now, check this out. Noah walked so close with God that not only did he hear him, but when God gave him a huge task, Noah didn't think it was crazy. I mean, you know the story, right? God asked a man to build an ark where it had not rained in a long time. There was no rivers. There was no lakes. There was no body of water within 100 miles of where Noah was. But Noah walked so close to God that not only did he hear God, but he believed God. So fathers like Noah walk with God even when everybody else doesn't. Which, by the way, if you're walking with people that are not walking with God, one of the most spiritual things you can do is to find new companionships. But number two, fathers like Noah work out their God-given purpose and persevere. Fathers like Noah, if you want to be a father like Noah, you got to work out your God-given purpose and persevere. Genesis 6, 13 and 14, it says the following. So God said to Noah, so make yourself a what? An ark. Now, if there's one word that is synonymous with fathers, it's what? Work, job, right? It is is what men are known for. Let me tell you men something. Every single one of us was created for a purpose and on purpose by God. 
Every single man in this here, and I don't not only oh every single man, but every single believer is called by God. We all have a calling upon our life. We all have a mission. There is something that God created us to accomplish, and that is the reason for our existence. And let me tell you that as long as you have breath, your purpose is still standing because as long as your purpose that God created you for is doable, God will keep you alive. If you want to be a father like Noah, you got to find your calling. You got to find your God-given purpose. Now, listen to me, man. One of the biggest lies that we have bought from the enemy is that we are either a provider or a great father. And that if we are going to be a provider, it's okay if we're not a great father because after all, we're working our butts off to be able to provide for them. And that if you're going to be a great father, you can't be great at your work. That is a lie from the pit of hell. I want to tell you this morning that great fathers, that great godly men are good at both. And that both are possible for you to be great as a provider, great at the calling that God gave you, and still be a great father. And we know that's true because Noah gives us that example. Now, there's two important truths you got to know about your work, man. Because we love to work. And if you don't like to work and you're a man, we got to pray for you, buddy. Because before Adam had a wife, he had a job. Amen? Uh, There's two important truths that you got to know about your work. Number one, you might want to write this down in your outline. I didn't put it in there, but you might want to write it down. The first thing is that you got to know God's calling upon you. You got to know the reason God created you for. Because the reason God created you for is connected to the work you need to do. What did God, what abilities did God give you? What passions did God give you? What experiences has he allowed you to have? Because when it comes to your work, you got to do what you were created to do. You know why some of you men, you, you, you despise, you are miserable on your way to work. You know why? Because you're on the wrong job. Because when you find your purpose and you find a job within your purpose, you can't wait for Monday to show up. You wake up con ganas, right? Like, oh man, I can't wait to go out and, and do what I was created to do. And you may be frustrated, you may be bored, you may be miserable, and you may be blaming your wife and kids, but the reason may be that you have not fulfilled, you are not fulfilling your calling upon your life. So the first thing about your job is that you got to find what you were created for, what God called you to do. But here's the second one, and this is huge. This is huge. Work always comes second to God. Noah got a great task because Noah walked with God. And God could trust Noah to do a big task because God knew that Noah would not put the work before God. Work comes second. Let me tell you something. These two truths were true of Noah. And they were the reason why Noah was able to save his family. Number one, because the purpose on his life, the work of his life 
provided salvation for his family. As God was going to wipe the earth, the work that Noah was doing was going to be the vessel through which God could save his family. If your job, man, if your job or any of you, if your job is causing you to lose your relationship with God or your family, you got to drop that job. If your job pushes you away from God, it's not from God. If your job is costing you your kids or your spouse, it is not from God. Because yes, God gives us a purpose, but it is never to replace him or the other important responsibilities that he has given us. One of the hardest truths that I had to truly embrace because I love what I get to do, right? Like, like I, I've always said that I could die today and I would die a satisfied man knowing that I fulfilled the purpose that God called me for. But one of the hardest truths that I had to really process is that my number one task is not being your pastor. That my greatest desire is, should not be for me to be a great pastor, that my number one task is number one, hear me out, to be a husband and then a father. Y'all could get mad at me and leave tomorrow. You could find another pastor tomorrow. But guess what? I don't want Lorena to find another husband. And I definitely don't want any other person to raise my kids. So your job It's a gift from God, but it is not meant to replace God. Now, where did Noah learn about the purpose for his life? Simple, from God, from God. He learned it from God. As walking with God, he heard God talking. Now, hear me out. Do you know why God asked Noah to build an ark? Not only because of the relationship they had, but because God gifted Noah the ability to build an ark. I imagine, and and this is going to reveal my age. I realize I'm old already. I'm not a young man anymore. Getting gray hairs in my beard, and I got to trim my ear hairs and my nose hairs. Like, you don't have to do that when you're 20, you know? But anyways... um, I imagine that Noah was like Tim the Tool Man Taylor. How many of you guys remember that show? Ho, 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 right? Here's what you got to know, Dad. Here's what you got to know. If if God gave you all boys, God knows you can handle all boys. If God gave you all girls, God knows you are the man for raising up girls. If God gave you children with special needs, let me tell you something. God knows that you are the man to get the job done because God never gives us a task that he doesn't equip us to be able to do. Amen. I I thought that was good. So don't ever complain about the kids you got or what gender they are. God knew what he was giving you because he formed you and created you to be able to get the task done. Now, 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 check this out. Not only did Noah find his purpose, not only did he find his purpose, and not only did he not allow his purpose to replace God, but here's the other thing, and this is really important. Noah persevered. You know how long it took Noah to build an ark? 
He didn't have electrical saws or miter saws or skill saws or impact drills. It was all by hand. It took him, you ready for this, guys? You ready for this? 120 years. Some of you, you've been doing something for five years and you're, oh, God, when are you going to do something? I've been married for three years and you haven't changed her. Try 120 years. Noah persevered. Let me tell you something. You don't think Noah was mocked in those 120 years? You don't think Noah was ridiculed? You don't think Noah got sick? You don't think his wife got angry at him and his kids maybe had a tantrum? Noah went through anything and almost everything you could imagine, but here's what we know. He finished the job. He got the job done. Man, we got to be consistent in our roles. There's some things that have to be true of our life no matter the season. And I want to share three with you that I placed upon myself. And I've shared this before. And I think they are great. I think that they are, they are good goals to have. But we need consistency. And here's what they are. I'm 40 now, right? I'm 40 now. If the Lord gives me life and when I'm 50 and when I'm 60 and when I'm 70 and when I'm 80, I want what the three things that are true of me right now to be true when I'm 50, 60, 70, and 80. What are those three things, Pastor Nestor? Number one, I want people to say, Nestor is still a follower of Jesus Christ. Oh, Nestor's a Mormon now? He's a Jehovah Witness. He's an atheist. I thought he was a pastor. How do you go from a pastor to a... No, 60, 70, 80, I'm still a disciple and a follower of Jesus Christ. Number two, when I'm 40, 50, 60, 80, I want this to be true of me. Nestor's still married to Lorena. In fact, I tell Lorena, she gets mad at me because I'm a, I'm a knucklehead. I, I, I do a lot of stupid stuff. You got to pray for me. And I tell her, woman... <laughs> If you try leaving me, I'm following you. <laughs> and if you put a restraining order on me, greater is he that is in me than he who is against me. You, I'm not letting you go. You, you, you're stuck with me. Right? Pastor, do you guys have difficult moments? Oh, I bet we have difficult moments. But I've made a commitment to her before God. And until my last breath, I want her to be the woman that I love and that I call wife. If you've remarried, make sure that's your last one and only one. Okay, don't use that as an excuse. Well, I already messed up one. Let me try third. No, no, that's it. Right? The book stops there. So no matter my age, the consistency in my life, I want to be a follower of Christ. I want to be married to the same wife. And here's the third one. I want to keep walking in my calling. I want to keep walking in my calling. I'm not, listen to me. I'm not going to be a pastor when I'm 70. I'm retiring as soon as I can. You guys are hard. <laughs> but here's what will always be true, what I want to always to be true of me, that I am always serving the Lord in his house. I may not be the pastor, but I will always be serving when the Lord's house. Amen? Amen. So, so we got to show perseverance. 
Here's, let me define success for you. Because I think for most men, when we think about work and we think about perseverance, we think about success. And unfortunately, society has given us a very ugly definition of success. Let me tell you what success is according to God. And it'll be up here in the screen. Success is obedience and faithfulness to his calling for your life. Obedience and faithfulness to his calling on your life. I may never own a house, but I'm successful. I may never have a million followers, but I'm already successful. I may never get to travel the world, but I'm already successful. You know why? Because I'm being obedient and faithful to his calling in my life. And you can too, and you should too. So fathers like Noah walk with God. Second, they work out their purpose in their life. But here's the third thing. Fathers like Noah lead their family with love and instruction. Fathers like Noah lead their family with love and instruction. Look at what verse 7 of Genesis, Genesis 7 says. He says, he went on board to the boat to escape the flood. And it's obviously talking about Noah. But look at what it says. He and his wife and his sons and what? Their wives. Noah's greatest accomplishment was his family's faith. If Noah builds the ark, but his kids don't walk in with him, he's a failure. Noah's greatest accomplishment was not building the ark, but building a family that followed him to the ark. Guys, your number one job from God, your number one task from God, hear me out, is not to be a provider. It is to lead your family and to lead them to him. If you provide a home, if you get them to school, if you leave them an inheritance, but they do not walk with God, we fail. We fail. Our number one, not our only task, our number one task is to lead our, not to point them, not just to tell them, but to lead them to God. The greatest accomplishment of Noah was that his family followed him. Come on, think about how hard that's got to be. They worked together for 120 years to build an ark. You don't think they got in fights. You don't think they got in arguments. You don't think Noah's sons had opinions about how to build an ark. You bet they did. But here's what's true. At the end of the day, they believed that they could follow their dad into the ark. Not only did Noah believe God, but Noah got his family to also believe God. Man, we got to follow. We got to lead our families. Listen, Noah preached. The Bible tells us in 2 Peter that as Noah was building the ark, that Noah was preaching, that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. For 120 years, Noah preached. You know how many he converted? Zero. There was not one single convert. So Noah was a failure? No. You know why? Because when Noah walked into the ark, he did not walk into the ark alone. He walked into the ark with his family. Men, I want to make the bold statement and tell you that if you make it to heaven, but you make it alone, 
it's going to be a sad trip. That our job is to lead our family to God. That our greatest task is the salvation of our kids. Now, here's the thing. You got to lead by example. You lead when you understand that as a man, as a father, it is your responsibility and you need to take initiative. You don't send them to church. You bring them to church. You don't tell them to worship. You show them how to worship. You don't tell them, go ask the pastor about that biblical answer. You find the answer to that biblical question they have. You lead them because you understand. Let me tell you something. It is not my responsibility as a father, your kid's spiritual condition. It is yours. I'm your cheerleader. I'm your help, but it is your task. It is your responsibility. So you need to take initiative. Men, if your wife's got to wake you up in the morning to go to church, it's time for you to man up. You know who wakes everybody in my home? Me. Let's go, Lorena. Let's go, Mason Let's go, Nathan. Let's go, Kaylee. I change them. I get them ready. I help them with breakfast. Why? Because it is my responsibility and I take initiative to, for their spiritual life. You know, when I was growing up, when we were growing up in our, in our, in our home, we were at church every week. And, and young people, hear me out. More than one time a week. More than one time a week. Four to five times a week and all day Sunday. And listen to me. I had two choices when it came to going to church. Two choices. And not the ones you think. The two choices I had was going willingly or unwillingly. (laughs) And a lot of times I went unwillingly, but I still went. You can ask my siblings. Melody was the most rebel one. She went more unwillingly than any of us. No, I'm joking. (laughs) We have two choices. Go willingly or unwillingly. My parents didn't give me a choice. Oh, you're too tired, mijo. You want to sleep in? Okay, you can watch online. No, no, call. Vámonos. Let's go. Let's go. Now, hear me out. We weren't perfect. All all of us. We had our rebellious years. All of us. Hugo, Melody, uh, Katie, me. All of us. We had our rebellious years. But through it all, my parents kept insisting and leading us to God. My brother and sister moved out to another state. My parents made sure that on Sundays they were at church. Now, do you know why me, my brother, and my two sisters still come to church every Sunday? Because we had two parents that led us and gave us the example that you seek the kingdom of God first. And not only did they tell us, but they modeled it. Because if they had told us, oh, you need to go to church, but I'm going to stay and watch the football game, I'll tell you what, as soon as we were 18, we would have done the same thing. But to this day, church is a non-negotiable to us because we had a father who led us and gave us the example. You got to lead your family to the Lord. Because if they are successful in education, if they are successful in their money, but they are not walking with God, they, we have failed them in the greatest task possible. 
Because dad, you got to remember, there is a hell and there is a heaven. And your kids don't go into heaven because of your faith. They need their own. But you lead them with love and instruction. You are not harsh. You are not harsh. My dad was, a, my dad was and is a loving father. He would expect us to go to church, but he didn't have a grumpy face when we were going to church. Listen, let me, it's one of the examples of how amazing my, my, my dad was as a father. We grew up believing that we shouldn't celebrate Halloween. That Halloween is a demonic holiday, and that was just our family conviction. But you know what our parents did that day? They weren't those weird parents that we're going to turn off the lights and lock everything and pretend we don't exist. You know what my dad would do that day? He would take us to go buy ice cream, take us to go buy pizza, go do something fun. And as we were driving, we would like look at the funny people in the costumes and have a good time. We didn't participate, but we had fun. My dad knew how to lead us with love and accountability. And if you want to be a father like Noah, you got to lead your family. Joshua, when he walked into the promised land, he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He didn't give them a choice. Joshua's children did not have a choice and say, well, hopefully me and my kids, my kids will want to follow Let me tell you, as long as they're under 18, you need to be leading them and they got no option. Once they turn 18, you can still influence them. But if you have not built the foundation, if you have not built the reputation, when they turn 18, they're going to walk away from the faith. Young people are not walking away from the faith because the gospel is not powerful. People are not walking away from the faith because the gospel is not true. People are walking away from the faith because they never walked in faith. They never walked in faith. So lead them. Lead them with love and instruction. Show them, but may your kids never doubt that you love them. You know what my dad used to do? He used to spank us. He he spanked us. I don't know if you believe in spanking or not. I do. If you don't, that's fine, right? Spare the rod, spare the child, okay? My dad used to spank us. And you know what he used to do? Because we were were like they say in Spanish, tremendos, right? Like, like, my dad would always tell us why he was going to spank us. He would say, I'm going to spank you because I told you five times not to do that and you still did that and I love you. I didn't believe him, but now I do. Because guess what? I'm on the other side. So let me finish with this. Ladies, those of you that are not married yet, here's my encouragement for you. Hear me out, ladies. If you're a young girl in here, if one day you don't want to have to be the mother and the father to your children, find a man that walks with God. Find a man that's got a job and find a man that is leading something. If he's not walking with God, if he's got no job and he's not leading something, move on. Keep waiting because it's better for you to wait a little bit longer, but get it right than for you to rush it and then regret it. Fathers, 
those of us, let's just not be men who walk with God, who live out their purpose and who lead. But let's raise some kids that do. Let's raise up kids that are men, young men that are walking with God, that got a job, and that are leaders in what they do. I believe that in this difficult time, it is never too late to become a father like Noah. And maybe you're here and say, Pastor, you know, I wish I had known this back when my kids were small. Now they're all grown up. I want to tell you, it's never too late to start. And I believe that regardless of what stage you're in and if you feel that it's a little too late for you, that it's better to say, you know what? Dad was a drunk for a long time, but in his last years, he walked with God. You know what? Dad was a mujeriego for a long time, but in his last days, he walked with God. So man, it's not too late. It's not too late. You got this. You got this. You could do this because God believes and has empowered you to do that. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.